podcast with Tola Dole Fisher. Hello and welcome. This is Woman Alive with me, Tola Dole Fisher. This is the podcast for Christian women where I'm chatting with real women about real life and real faith. I love my wrinkles. And my wrinkles say to me that I have laughed a lot and smiled a lot. And my grey hair says to me, well, the Bible says grey hair is the crown of a virtuous wife. Tolly, you wouldn't have put me in the magazine if I was just working in a normal shop, doing a normal job. It was like, oh, that's Marin, that's an angle, that's a way of talking about Christ and getting somebody to listen. And if we deny that, then we're lying, not only publicly, but also to ourselves. Our body's a temple as well. And yes, we want to keep it looking good, but then what is good? Like, good in God's eyes is often something different than good in the world's eyes. The Woman Alive podcast is produced in partnership with Open Doors. Before we begin, please note that the conversations in this podcast are authentic and honest, which may occasionally include topics or thoughts that are more suitable for adult listeners. We advise discretion if young children are nearby. Hi, everybody. My name is Tola Dole Fisher, and I am the editor and creator director for Woman Alive. And today with me, I have Veronica Zundel. And your, can you just tell us your connection with Woman Alive? Well, I've been writing a column for Woman Alive for over 40 years since the magazine started. Wow. That's amazing. And also Hope Bonacher. Hope, what is your connection with Woman Alive? Yeah, I've all, I've not been writing for forty years. I've I've been writing maybe for about uh for the publication for maybe about a few months. So not so long, but I really enjoy it. And Susie Kennedy, what is your connection with the wonderful platform that is Women Alive? Um, I stalked you basically. <laughs> so it well, <laughs> read your book. It was completely amazing. And obviously, as a Christian, I'm a very well known Marilyn Monroe looker. Like I hate to say the best because the best is Marilyn Monroe, but very, very well known. The love twenty eight years, been all over the world, been in films like Blade Runner and the Theory of Everything. But I read your book because I had cancer, and your book just floored me. It was brilliant. I was already a subscriber of Woman Alive, and then you wanted to put me in the magazine, and I was writing for the magazine, and hanging out and having dirty burgers in Cheltenham. So that's my <laughs> Susie is exposing me for my burger habit. But yes, that is how we know each other. And it's great to have you all together because today we're going to be discussing something which has been um, a real issue for um, women of all ages at the moment. I'm not quite sure why, but as we record this in May, one of the things we know is um, kind of advertised to us is this idea of like having a summer body. Um, and that makes us think about how we look and not, not, not just our facial features, but our bodies. This has been prompted um, from a conversation that uh, Susie uh, has been having because you wrote for us an article where you talked about getting Botox. Um, and you said, I'm a Christian who gets Botox. I believe God gave me beauty and I want to maintain it. And you said earlier, obviously, your workers in Marilyn Monroe uh, look alike. So what have you had done, if that's not too much to ask? 
and and also why have you decided to undergo those procedures? Well, first of all, I don't really like it to be like, I'm a Christian, am I allowed to get Botox? Um, because sure, women are allowed to do what they want, right? We finally got that, so hallelujah. Um, Jesus kind of endorsed women. And I think that if a woman makes a choice to do something to maintain her beauty, that's completely different than somebody coming from an insecure perspective, not feeling worth and thinking, I need to turn myself into somebody else. And that's where I do have a line, which kind of people get quite touchy about it. Because if I'm saying you can do what you want, mm-hmm. you should be careful that is it what you want or is it what others want? And I think that's the fine line between Botox or any plastic surgery. If you're doing it to be like X, like I never had plastic surgery to look like Marilyn Monroe because I was a Marilyn Monroe impersonator. Never did that. But there's some people that are having plastic surgery, a young girl just passed away to look like Kim Kardashian. She died trying to look like. So I don't think that's, you know, that's when we're going into strange places, territory. Mm. Yeah, and but, why did, but why did you decide to get, so you're saying it wasn't because you, it wasn't to try and um, to keep up that look of Marilyn Monroe. So, but what prompted you to kind of start? Well, it's weird we're doing this today because once we finish, I'm off to my fantastic friends. Enzo. Emily and Renzo are doctors, they're not beauticians, they're doctors, and they um so ethical. They basically turn people away. They're like, you, we're not giving you unnecessary surgery that you don't need. Lip fillers are really hot for them. You're not doing them. But they said, Photox for women of a certain age, I'm 47 years old. It's just to maintain people like beautiful things, you know, and they do. They throw money at churches to keep them looking beautiful. They throw money at art galleries to keep the art maintained. I'm not saying I want to look younger. I'm just maintaining. So, And all these women, older women in Hollywood, they say they look great. They are maintaining. Don't be completely full. Jennifer Lopez, people go, well, she looks amazing. She's nearly 60. <laughs> so for you, it's like a maintenance thing. You know, we talk about... Esther in the Bible needing six months, not needing, but undergoing six months beauty treatment. So you see it as that kind of thing. Is that right, Susie? If Esther underwent no beauty treatments, with no argument, she had six months of beauty treatment. <laughs> before that. I would love to know. Veronica, I'd love to know what you think about this. Uh, I think Esther actually went underwent a year of beauty treatments, not just six months, but I would have to check the Bible again. Um, I have no problem with with women um, using anti-aging treatments. I mean, I use face cream in the morning and in the evening. Botox is just a, a stage on from that, really. Uh, what I do have a problem with is is the kind of extreme makeup and and enhancement that we young women seem to go through these days. I mean, the fat pout and the and the huge false eyelashes and the and the masses of makeup. Um, I look at young women these days, and I I think they look like drag queens. And I think, why would you want to look like a drag queen when you're a woman? Uh, and I think some of these women are going to be looking back at photos of themselves in ten or twenty years' time and think, what was I thinking? Um, but do you think that's a personal thing, Veronica? That's not, I mean, is that more of a personal opinion that you have? That's not kind of a biblical official view. Um, 
I don't have any thoughts about whether it's biblical. Um, I think it's biblical to to be who we are, mm. um, and that we're all beautiful in the sight of God. Uh, my mother used to say that you know if someone had a, a, a beautiful mind uh, or you know a, a lovely personality, they look beautiful however ugly they are. They were, and. <laughs> I think she applied this in particular to um, a sort of spinster aunt friend that we had. She was Jewish and had a very large nose. Um, and she never married. Um, probably not because of her nose, probably because of her intellectual interests and she was just too intelligent for most men. Um, but my mum thought she was beautiful because her beautiful personality was radiating out from her face. Um, and, and I think that is biblical, actually. <laughs> that we don't have to, and it's also biblical that um, you know the um, Apostle Peter told women not that their beauty shouldn't be in in you know self adornment and elaborate hairstyles and jewellery and so on, which I personally find quite difficult because I love lots of big jewellery and uh, and uh, until my hair to apply it, so I love. I love makeup, but I can't apply my mascara anymore because my hands too shaky. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think it's it's an interesting topic, um, especially because I'm the people who, um, I mean, I'm looking at you, Susie. I'm looking at you, Hope, and that uh, you are you both got quite different views, I think, on this. So I want to go to Hope now and and hear what you what you think. Um, but also just the thing, that idea that all women are beautiful, I think is great. But I think we also just need to be realistic about the fact that we are very um, visually led beings or aesthetically led beings. And we we often don't, you know, people say it's what's in the inside that counts. Don't, don't judge a bit by its cover. But we do that. We do those things. Um, so Hope, let's just give you some space to, to say what you think about this idea of anti-aging treatments yeah i i definitely think of i agree with Susie that you can do what you like we're free in christ to, to do what we like i do feel as a as a model i used to do a lot more modeling when i was younger but i do feel as a model who's in her 40s that there's a really big kind of stigma on aging and beauty for women this idea that as you age that you're not beautiful anymore and I think that's kind of perpetuated by older women getting work done because then you're kind of like freezing yourself and you're not embracing age which I think is a gift obviously you know the bible says that long life is a gift so I think that when we start to kind of affect for the white for like wider society what beauty is I think it just has a negative effect I know for me you know if I'm starting to get signs of aging and all the women that are aging around me are you know trying to freeze that am I more likely to want to do that personally for me I wouldn't I, I think beauty creams and that kind of thing are fine but I think when it comes to augmentation and you know, injecting things into ourselves. For me personally, even just because what if something were to go wrong? Like, I would feel horrible. I would, like, you know, I would want my old self back, you know? So I just feel like it's almost like 
our body's a temple as well. And yes, we want to keep it looking good. But then what is good? Like good in God's eyes is often something different than good in the world's eyes. And I, I, as a model, like I said, I understand, you know, there's these standards of beauty. I think especially also for Susie, who has a job that, you know, people are looking at her all the time and, you know, and you're also impersonating someone that was a certain age so as you get older then you know that becomes an issue so I totally I don't want to condemn anyone but I also think that the standards of beauty and saying that well as we age we should still look like we're not aging I I think that's kind of a conflict the thing is though is I I think I think you're right that there's it's weird that Veronica brought up that women are looking like drag queens now Mm -hmm. because if you look at uh, Courtney Cox, she ended up putting a lot of lip fillers in, a lot of fillers, and she just came out and said, I've de- I've taken all the fillers away. Yeah. Said, I can't believe what I look like because she was trying to look like a standard of beauty that is quite drag queenish. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's quite um, significant that Veronica said that because mm-hmm. drag queens are now mainstream. They used to be, mm-hmm. I grew up, drag queens were nightclubs for adults. Yeah gays but like we but now it's very much for a teenage audience and if you teenage girls they do look like drag queens because they get makeup tips from those sort of shows and there's too much eye makeup too much lashes but if you actually look at the women like jennifer lopez looked amazing the other night Mm -hmm. looks amazing we've got so many women that are in their 50s i mean i love these women they look better than i they looked in their 20s and they don't look like drag queens they look and and they're not you know they've not got these frozen faces they they're maintaining and putting it from a biblical perspective Toller is right for us to get the message out sadly majority of people want pretty things you know they look at a pretty display people get paid thousands to design window displays to make the public stop and look at them if people didn't like pretty things they would be out of a job people mm-hmm. My jewelry, they adore themselves. When it says, do not yourself with things, that is meaning like work on your inner self first. So, yeah, I mean, I was working on it. I won't tell you the supermodel, but there was a supermodel I was working with who the guy was in love with. And it's only when he met her, he said, Wow, isn't it amazing that you can look beautiful and then act ugly? Mm-hmm. So, it's really important that, you know, you are beautiful on the inside, but there's nothing wrong with keeping that beauty on the outside because then you can put the word of God. Tolly, you wouldn't have put me in the magazine if I was just working in a normal shop, doing a normal job. It was like, oh, that's Marin, that's an angle, that's a way of talking about Christ and getting somebody to listen. And if we deny that, then we're lying, not only publicly, but also to ourselves. Yeah, and but the thing is, um, Veronica, I think you've got something to say. Let me give you some space. Yeah, because, um, but I love my wrinkles. I reached 70 this year and I felt my life was really going to begin again at 70 because, you know, the Bible says three, three score and ten. And then I thought anything out of that is a bonus. So I'm going to And my wrinkles say to me that I have laughed a lot and smiled a lot. And my grey hair says to me, although I do occasionally dye it, um, well, the Bible says grey hair is the crown of a virtuous life, which is basically to imply that if you've lived a long time, it must be because you're righteous. And we know that isn't entirely true. But, you know, I have my brother died at 27. I had a very good friend who died at 40. Um, I feel I'm, I'm very blessed to be still here and to, to have got old enough to have this grey hair. 
So um, I, I don't want to look um, 20 or even 30. In fact, I've been thinking of writing a short story in which a woman wakes up one morning and finds she has her 20-year-old body back, but she still has her 50-year-old mind. And she goes back <laughs> and, and she goes, she meets the young man at a bar or whatever, has a date with him, and is incredibly bored because he has no experience of life. And he has nothing to talk about. He has none of the wisdom that she's acquired at 50. And of course, he doesn't think he needs to have because he thinks she's 20. And, you know, she goes to bed that night saying, hoping to herself that she'll, that she'll wake up in the morning looking 50 again. There are some, there are quite a, there are some shows I've heard of where people kind of go back to their younger selves and I find them interesting. But now hearing this conversation, I'd like to read a book or see a film where someone wakes up and they're older than they were the day before, because that could be quite interesting. We don't expect, we haven't, if you, if you're 20 one day and you wake up as a 50 year old, you haven't got that 30 years of experience to know what happened. Whereas if you're 50 and go back to being 20, you can be like, oh, I I know what's happened in between. So that'd be interesting. Um, just pick up what I think it was Susie was saying earlier about not taking or not undergoing procedures in order to maintain her look as Marilyn Monroe because obviously you already were doing that. Um, did you know that in 2019, 27,000 cosmetic surgeries took place and the UK market for cosmetic procedures is worth over £4 billion? And that, and they didn't say whether it's like a male or female split, but I don't feel as though people always undertake these procedures because of beauty per se or because they think they're aging. I recently met someone who um, she has had a child, I think he's probably about eight or nine now, and she felt that after breastfeeding, her boobs looked very different and they were not as firm, they were not the same shape even, um, and she felt they're a bit deflated um, and she really wanted to have a boob job because she... It would make her feel more like herself. Um, and so that for her wasn't about aging particularly or about beauty because she's not someone who um, is showing her boobs particularly. But she just wanted to feel what she felt was herself because she felt like in breastfeeding she'd almost lost something of herself. So for her, that procedure was to get something back. I don't know if you, any of you guys I, have a... I think- I could totally. So my mom, for an example, she had breast cancer. So she had reconstructive surgery and she has implants she's had for long enough to actually, I think after like 10 years or something, you need to get them replaced. So, but she has that because it's reconstructive. Um, Personally, I've had four children and they're extremely large. And before I had my children, my waist was very small. So my stomach, (laughs) but I love my children and honestly like i i just even though it would be really great to have a fit stomach again like i i work out i take care of myself but my stomach is i mean it's never gonna look unless i have surgery like it did before but i still have that feeling of like i mean surgery is quite serious you know there's all types of complications infections like things can happen so i'd I'd kind of like to speak to that because um Six years ago, I had breast cancer for the second time. First time around, I only had to have surgery to the armpit because the the tumour wasn't actually in the breast, but it was misplaced breast tissue. Six years ago, um, 
I had tumors in both breasts and I had to have a double mastectomy and I also had to have a brain operation because they found a lesion on my brain and they had to check whether it was the secondary from the breast cancer, which it wasn't. Uh, so I had five operations in one year because I also had to have a poor protein for chemotherapy and then take that again. Uh, I haven't had reconstruction um, because I just could not face having any more operations and yeah. any more post-operative drains that fell out and, and leaked. And, and that's what. Um, and I, I could still have reconstruction now. Um, I could, and I could, you know, I could appear, I could appear fine from the outside because I put my breast prosthesis on, and I, you know, I dress in a certain way that will make me look quite normal. But I don't look normal when I'm naked. But I think I've reached a point where I just have to accept that and say, um, yes, I could get back to a more normal shape, but. How much does it really matter anymore? And am I willing to go through the risks of operations? Uh, and in my case, it would be, you know, it could be two eight-hour operations. And yeah. Just, I can... you know, it doesn't look like I did before I had cancer or before I had my son. Uh, the the, the cost-benefit analysis is just, just makes it a lot worse. Yeah. I'm sorry I've had to go through all that, Veronica. It sounds intense, especially within, I think it was in like a year you had all that stuff going on. I five know operations five operations in one year. That's intense. And I know from my experience with, with cancer, um, I do not want to be anywhere near the hospital anywhere soon ever again for any kind of procedure. But it's interesting to me to hear these perspectives because what I'm wondering is, would it make a difference Veronica and Hope if you were still single because I think the thing is I'm I'm talking as a single person um, and I know that this desire to be attractive is not I, I feel it more keenly when I'm single because I'm conscious that I want to appear attractive I want to meet someone and I think if I felt that I, I wasn't looking my best I would definitely absolutely you know look for um, some a procedure that would help me. Susie's making all kinds of movements. So, what's Susie got to say? <laughs> I am so sad to hear you say that because here, obviously, the reason me and Tola bonded became I've had cancer and I've had it twice, and I'm so disappointed to hear that because it went straight away to I need to look my best for this person, and that's why I preface this to say you're doing it for you because I have a belly, Veronica. I've not had a baby. I don't have that excuse. I have a belly because I have friends and we like to drink wine and, and have dessert. And that's why I have my belly. And I love my belly. And if a man doesn't like it or a partner doesn't like it, whoever you've got, your husband, whatever, I don't care. I have both. My belly isn't my ideal, right? I'll be honest with you. I've got cellulite and I've got a belly. But my face is my ideal because my face makes people interact with me. That is my shop front. That is where I can tell people about Jesus. They want to talk to I, if Tola, if you are getting yourself beautiful for a man, me and you are having a dirty but <laughs> I think you, I think with that, I, I think you misunderstand me, Susie. I think you're assuming that I, I'm happy to be um, unattractive, um, unattractive to myself, and I'm not. I, I love it looking amazing. As you know, Susie, I'm someone who always has my skin out. You said 
it's being single makes me more that you said that your words i did training counselor so i hear everything you said it makes it more better like it makes it more pressure when i'm single because i concentrate on my looks that is getting yourself ready you're doing an esther you're getting six months to a year <laughs> i've been i've been preparing myself for way longer than a year susie much longer than a year yeah right you are beautiful any man will be very very lucky to have you 100 percent. that is sweet I just, I think that there's so many different women out there. There's so many different faces. There's so many different body types, like so many different types of hair. Like, and when you find your partner, it's, I mean, obviously the outside has something to do with it, but it's going to be because of your personality and because of your character. And it's not going to be, if, if you're getting someone who only wants to be with you because you've been augmented in some way, then that's obviously not a, a person of good character. I think my mom actually has an issue with that where she, because she had breast cancer at a young age. I think she was only 39 when she had breast cancer. And so when she start, was dating, she was divorced. And when she was dating in her 40s, there was someone that she really liked and had been on, out a few times with. And I think when they got to the stage that was like showing her body, like he was put off by her scars. She had, you know, scars from her breast cancer. So, and I think that was really hurtful for her, you know, like feeling rejected in that way. So I think you want to be with someone who's like a person of character who's gonna love you for you and not you know absolutely be like that so uh, i hope so there are many many different kinds of women and body shapes for women there are also many many different kinds mm-hmm. of men and and when i met my husband i was really skinny and i liked really skinny men he was quite plump and he liked what i consider enormous women i mean like statuettes so we weren't like physically right for each other at all, but there was something um, I felt called by God actually to have a relationship with him, and there was something in the friendship that we had um, that seemed too good to waste. I love so that. It's not been a relationship based on physical attraction at all. It's been something very different, which at times is hard, but. Um, is something I think the plus of that is that that lasts that lasts beyond any physical attraction which may wear off as people age. Woman Alive with Tola Doll Fisher. I would love us to move on to the next section, which is one of my favourite sections of this podcast where we answer reader and listener questions about sex and relationships so for this episode the question I'm going to read out to you from a reader is um, my husband and I have physical difficulty having sex I feel like a failure how do I satisfy him sexually so it's quite it feels like quite a loaded question let's not assume anything that we don't know about this anything that we haven't heard from this reader so there's a lot she hasn't she hasn't given us um but who would like to kick off with a reply to this woman alive reader Susie this was really personal to me when you read that because obviously I've had cervical cancer so it's directly affected how I can perform um sexually I didn't realize that okay yeah Yeah, the man so I have had a boyfriend who was very caring about that because obviously when you have cervical cancer uh, the level that I had it, I had internal brachytherapy 
And a lot of women have had that. Wait, what's inter- can you just explain what that is? Horrible. Basically, you have radiotherapy from the outside, then you have chemotherapy, which we all know what it is. Then you have brachytherapy, which is, Google it, or actually don't Google it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's 10 bolts of long wires put inside your cervix and you're radiated from the inside to try and finally kill the tumour. I had to go through five sessions of that. The last session, I actually told the doctor, can you just please just end my life? This is the worst pain. I've... And that's when I met Jesus. That was when he walked in. I, this story yeah. in life. Um, but it does affect how you can have sex. Before. Yeah. yeah. And um, I love the way you said before. I know. I, I, I use that word. And then, as I said, I wanted to take it back. Let's just forget I said it. You all know what I mean. Nice. Let's, continue, let's go back. That's really interesting if you tell I'm a counsellor. It's really interesting. We women can tell. Men say we perform because it is like a performance. Like, look how incredible I am. And that leads me on perfectly. I'm glad you said it because it is sometimes how do we make love? How do we perform? I want to impress you or give you what you need, especially if you're a woman, give you what you need, a man, what do you need? And actually, Veronica talking about her husband was so heartwarming. Because I think if you meet someone that genuinely is in love with you, and I was lucky to have a boyfriend like that, but I wasn't ready for that. But they really didn't mind. They did everything that they could do to find different ways, ways of of intimacy, which involves, you know, extra lubrication or anything that would make it pleasurable. And and, and I think if you've got that intimacy you can do that. If the person isn't prepared to do that, I would question where your relationship, I know you said don't make presumptions, but if you truly have a bond, I'm sure Veronica love to hear what she says about this. With her relationship, I wonder whether that would be an issue, whether that would come up because a true love, I think you'd find a way. I'm not sure. All right. That not, you've just mentioned Veronica, so let's go lively on to Veronica's response. <laughs> Well, I, I'm really not sure what to say here. I mean, yes, I know my husband loves me. I know he's always loved me. Um, yeah, for, for the um, for the reader, I'd want to say, yeah, I'd want to know more. Like, with this caused by a disability, or is this something like vaginismus, which makes sex painful and difficult? Yeah. Um, but I'd also want to say there are an awful lot of non-penetrative ways. Um, to enjoy sex or sexual gratification or sexual communication, I think I would want to call it. Yeah. Uh, and, and also um, that there are a lot of different positions that one can try um, to make sex more comfortable. Um, I like, did you say sexual communication earlier? I quite like that as a phrase. I think it's not, a, I don't think sex is all about uh, pleasure. It is about pleasure. But it's also about communicating. It's about communicating wealth. Um, yeah. And, and without, I mean, the reason why Christians have certain restrictions around sex is that we don't want sex to be divorced from that communication with love. Uh, we don't want it to be just pleasure and nothing else. Um, because God has, has made it for, and has created sex for making two people one. Well, when I, if I look back at this question before I come to you, Hope, um, I find it interesting that she says that we have difficulty having sex, physical difficulty having sex, 
but then I feel like a failure. How do I satisfy him? So that really shows there's a pressure on the woman to not only perform, but to provide this sexual pleasure for the, for the partner. Hope, just turn to you now to answer that question or help answer that question for the reader. I think my best advice would just be to, if they're both believers, to just have the hard conversations and come together in prayer really about it. I mean, it's a very vulnerable thing to do, but I, do, I agree that sex is not all, I mean, it's, it is about pleasure, like you want to be able to give each other pleasure, but it's also about unity and about, you know, knowing each other and being close. And so if there's other outside influences that are coming in or if there's something, you know, mentally that's going on, I, th- I just think it really is, it starts with your intimacy and your unity, not just, you know, with sex, but as a couple. So maybe just like a, a relaxing atmosphere where you can just talk and pray and just see if you can maybe connect intimately in that way outside of the bedroom and then see how that how that helps yeah yeah and that kind of ties into what veronica was saying in terms of sexual communication it's not um i've heard it said that sex doesn't just start when you're in the physical act of penetration it starts much earlier in in the head and even physically Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Join me next time where I'll be speaking with three more incredible women about real life and real things. For more inspiring conversations, articles and opinions, head to womanalive.co.uk. Woman Alive. Real women, real lives, real faith.